0: True.
1: hey everybody today we are joined by briner agassi i hope i didn't mutilate his name it's one of those tricky ones now mm-hmm. briner is a drummer out of la which is really cool i'm always trying to find different people who do different things but i've been kind of neglectful in the music department so mm-hmm. ironically i'm finding drummers so I, this is my second drummer <laughs> but briner uh, also does industrial music so i'm trying to uh cash in on that and grab uh, some beats from him, which is really awesome. Nice. And Briner is, has a very interesting background. His uh, father is an Assyrian, world-famous singer. Is that correct?
0: Correct, yeah.
1: Now, my audience is a little bit weird, but th- we're very much into culture. Um, that's sure. kind of how my podcast uh, came about. And can you talk a little bit about the As- Assyrian culture they were christian correct
0: yeah christian christian middle easterners you know it's 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 really it, i i get asked this a lot um because a lot of people will always say they'll they'll mistake it with syrian right and it's not syrian it's a syrian and one of the best examples i can ever give is you know if you watched passions of christ the mel gibson movie it's mm-hmm. The, the language they were speaking, which is Aramaic, which is modern-day Assyrian. That's the language. Oh. So it's um, – yeah, there there's not many Assyrians left in the world, even though I think there's probably estimated about a million, a little over a million. Um, modern-day – what you see today as Iraq was once upon a time, all Mesopotamia, Assyria. Mm-hmm and that was our land but you know there was a big genocide that happened they killed all the christians and Mm. you know assyrians basically fled to either iran to syria or stayed in iraq which a majority i'd say ancestry wise stayed in iraq and um our bloodline comes from iran so a lot of the you know my From where, you know, from the very start of great, 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 great grandfathers, they were all centered in Iran. But growing up, they were known as Assyrians, Iranian, Hmm. Assyrians from Iran. So you'll have a lot of Assyrians from Iraq, Assyrians from Syria. I was born here, but I still know how to read and write it. So.
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Are you similar then to like the Coptics in Egypt? in that sense
0: in the sense of you know we we've basically had to fight for our religion fight for our freedom basically as christians yeah but um yeah so in that sense pretty much
1: and are you um friendly with or similar to the kurds
0: <sighs> man that's that's a hard hard question to answer you know i'd say friendly friendly yeah um, north of, I- north, north of Iraq, they've given us a prov- providence, which is, is called Nineveh, which is basically just, you know, a little section that they've given to the Assyrians, Christians, you know, to, to live there. And it's, it's right next to Kur- Kurdistan. So we're friendly with them. You know, we don't have any issues with anyone. It's just, you know, for, with the unfortunate events that have happened in the Middle East, I think a lot of, uh. You know, what you see in the media with, you know, Muslims versus Christians mm-hmm. that starts getting painted. But I could tell you, my parents grew up in Iran mm-hmm. um, and they will. Go, I mean, they'll tell you they've told me that they've never had any issue with anyone. No one's ever tried to hurt them. No, no. You know, they were they were friends with everyone. I mean, every it was just very friendly. Hmm. I think as time went on. And you had extremists come in, and that's where the issue started happening, especially more so in the in the regions of Iraq and, and, and those Syria, yeah. those type of regions.
1: And so. in 79, the uh, revolution.
0: Yeah, right? and that's um, when they left.
1: Because prior to that, if I recall, both Iran and um, I think Lebanon especially was kind of known as Paris of the Middle East.
0: Yeah. Very
1: forward um oh yeah open and then things changed
0: (laughs) yeah you know it's 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 so funny you say that because growing up and yeah i was i was born here so Mm -hmm. all i know is you know california and peacefulness and all this and then when you watch the news you're like oh my god you guys live there oh my god And my mom and dad would tell me, they're like, no, what you see today is completely different than what we grew up in. Because what we grew up in, they use the same example you said. They said it was like Paris. It was like France. It was beautiful. And when you look online, if you type in Iran, 1970, 1960, women are in bikinis. They're all by the beach. They're having fun. There's there's singing. There's dancing. There's pop music. You don't have that there anymore. 79 over, I mean, that's where, you know, the, the veils came in. That's where a lot of that quote unquote Muslim um, ideology came in to where, you know, you have to have the burkas on. You, you can't do this. You can't do that.
1: We call it fundamental, fundamentalism.
0: Fundamentalism, yeah.
1: Kind of like the fire-breathing Baptist in Christianity, in a sense, but just in another
0: culture. Exactly, exactly. Well,
1: that's cool. So you kind of grew up then because they left before that point. You sort of grew up in that that attitudinal Paris culture.
0: Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay,
1: now how is that uh, reflected on you as a musician? That's why I want to start out there because I feel like you are – a product of your family and your culture
0: yeah it's 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 really interesting you say that you know growing up for me I grew up listening to music 24 I mean my dad's a singer my dad's been a singer since he was 15 and that's all he's ever done in his life so he his he's basically living the dream right He he mm-hmm. 15 years old discovering music as a little kid went on the radio and just started touring and life goes on and he's still touring now for me growing up the very first music I ever heard ever was my dad's music and was just Assyrian pop music so that was always going on at my house and for me it was it was different because you know you go to school or you turn on MTV and here you have you know heavy metal rockers rocking out and then you listen to your dad's music and it's pop but it's not heavy metal it's not rock it's not you know mm-hmm. western pop music so for me growing up and listening i just automatically learned it i learned mm-hmm. the different melodies i learned a lot about melodies i learned a lot about just sound writing just because my dad was constantly behind his keyboard recording and at that time you know he had one of those little 3 3 inch tape the, the ones that are like the size of our cell phones, oh, you know, the sure, little sure. micro, micro they, recorder. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he would record something. He'd tape it, stop, play, and then record, you know, so growing up, cool. I always saw that. And it taught me a lot about connecting pieces of sound together to make an overall mel- you know, melody, which then turns into mm-hmm. a song, which then turns into something that's arranged. And you're like, wow, that's, what I'm hearing on your cassette is the same thing I heard you playing on your little keyboard a year ago. Wow, that's that's mm-hmm. fantastic. So my mind just started getting intrigued with these things.
1: So layers. You're kind of learning about the layering exactly. of composition?
0: It, well, yeah, all the layers and, and just the process. Because it went from playing on a little keyboard that was um, like a Yamaha little keyboard that you bought from Radio Shack. Mm-hmm. And then you heard him play some melodies and then he would record them into his micro cassette. And then from the micro cassette, it would go to the producer. The producer would arrange it with the full band and then it gets mm. mixed and mastered. And then you hear the final product and you're like, dude, this is like, man, this is amazing. This is, I remember hearing this. This is what you were playing, you know, in the, in the bedroom. <laughs> and now it's on a cassette and people everywhere are listening to it. It's just, there was, there was, um there was a process There was a process behind the songs, behind the music that I really started getting engaged with and connecting. And in doing so, I really found myself learning and diving in deeper into the Assyrian music. And so for the longest time, all I was listening to was Assyrian music, but then I would listen to MTV and then Assyrian music and then MTV. Mm -hmm. And I think later on in life, that's kind of where I found my own type of signature sound where when I produce, I think the one thing I've always gained from my upbringing has always been the power of a melody because a lot of music Mm -hmm. you listen to really doesn't have a melody per Mm -hmm. se. But the melody is very impactful and very strong. And yeah, but I mean, it's it's, you know, my roots have really um, garnished all all of what I do right now and how I even produce music.
1: Yeah, it's been said that and I've said this before, um, quoting somebody, I forgot what it is that for a song to really be phenomenal or super Mm -hmm. successful it's a combination of the familiar and the novel rolled into one. So in a sense with your cultural background, because you grew up here and obviously you listen to American music, Mm -hmm. but you can slide in little Syrian hooks that can turn a straightforward foreign floor style into being comfortable and familiar. But then this novel element that takes it to another level now, Question: Do you have the vision, and did your father have the vision to look at that little noodling on the keyboard and actually hear the entire composition, or is that through teamwork and layering on time?
0: You know, it's funny. Is that he, I? I don't. Th- I don't. I, okay, I'll answer this. I'll say no. I don't think he had that vision. I okay. think my dad. What my dad's always had is a very masterful way of recognizing what would fit for his own brand mm-hmm. you know like if you if you give us you know if you give a pop song over to D- james headfield of metallica i'm sure he's gonna say no nope, no nope, sorry i this is not sure. who metallica is so my dad being the only creator of his songs he's produced all his songs he's been very wise in knowing you know if i play this I don't know what the end results going to be but I know it's going to fit what I want. And I think that's something I always learned the opposite of. And what I mean by Ooh. opposite is what I do when I when I create is I have to hear the song here in my head. I have to. If I can't hear the final product, I just can't mm. produce it. I can sit behind my keyboard. I can sit and I can play a demo but right when i'm done with that demo or as i'm creating the demo i am constantly creating it in my mind i'm i'm creating the drums i'm creating the bass i'm creating what's going to go behind it i'm creating the harmonies and so it can get a little tedious at times when you're just doing a demo because all you want to do is sit and create a demo but what happens <laughs> is you start getting this vision of okay i needed to sound like this but in Mm. a way it's helpful because after you're done with the demo you go back to the you know to your uh, pro tools and then you start creating the layers and then that's where the process begins and to me that's probably the hardest part only because I get so I'm a perfectionist so I want everything to sound exactly how I had it in my mind but um, that's something that I learned
1: So you then, and I'm not trying to put one up above or down. So you have a producer mindset versus the musician mindset in a sense. Would that be fair?
0: Man, it's, it's hard. I have, I think I I could tell you that I, I have to wear different hats. If I'm just creating, I have to have the musician mindset, but unfortunately (laughs) at some point in creating, that producer mindset starts seeping its way through and saying, hey, hey, this would sound cool. Try this because I can add this bass line and the harmony that's going to come in on the fourth measure or the sixth measure in the, in the song. And this is what it's going to sound like. And it's just like, oh, man, I can't turn it off. I wish I could. I wish I could just sit there and tell myself I'm just going to create this demo and I'm going to put it to rest. And then I'm going to come back to it and wear a different hat. And then start layering and piecing things together. But I can't, man. I, it's like all in one at one time.
1: But that's an advantage because you can mm-hmm. take another artist yeah, who can come in with that demo and you can dissect it down and say, oh, that's a nice hook, but what if... Exactly. We do this, we do that, we do this, we do that. So that makes you kind of the ultimate team player in that regard.
0: It does. And and that's why I love working with different artists. You know, that's why I love working with just about any artist in different genres, any genres, because I'm comfortable with any genre and to me it's you know, you were saying like the mu- the musician versus the producer. A lot mm-hmm. of times what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, um who's one of your favorite bands, Eric?
1: Uh, I'll go with um, <laughs> my life with the thrill kill cult. I'll go deep. Okay. So, because <laughs> I know you like industrial, so that I, I, name I, should I be familiar like to you.
0: <laughs> no, I, absolutely. But you take you take them, and I can almost promise you that when they're in the studio with whoever producer it is, whether it's let's say a Bob Rock or a Rick Rubin, and I don't know if these producers have actually worked with the band, but I'm saying any producer, sure. the producer really does sit back and have a third person perspective on things. And even though you may have had a creation or you may have had this this demo in your minds that you're going into the studio with, the producer can sit there and say, you know what, I know it's gonna even sound ten times better try this. Mm. And that's where the band in a lot of sense has to be that team player because they're calling upon this producer to say, Hey, we need you to produce our album because we have all these ideas, all these demos, but we need you to kind of piece things together. So they're, they're almost becoming like the puppet master and the band and the Mm -hmm. musicians really have to be comfortable with that. And in a sense, going back to what you were saying is when i do wear that producer mind the, the producer hat and I, when i do sit there with different artists you have to be a team player you have to be able to recognize what they want what they're feeling and kind of catapult your your own emotions into the feeling that they're trying to produce and portray within that song and really bring your own ideology of where you think the song should go and piece it together. It's, it's hard. It's, it's harder than it sounds because we all know musicians and artists. We, we, I don't want to say we have some sort of ego, but we're so passionate.
1: My about, next question.
0: Oh no. Oh, great. The interview's over, man. That's it. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's hard. So I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and segue to it, man. This should be a fun, interesting yeah. question. How
1: do you deal with um, people's Egos, and I don't mean it in a wrong way, but a lot of your job, and I'm going to go with another craft, but Stephen sure. King in his book On, On Writing talked about kill your darlings, and it was an interesting piece of writing advice, and that was those little precious things that you put in there, the little right. purple prose that just sounds so good, kill them, because then they detract from the overall flow. So sometimes yeah. you just have to kill your darlings. Now, how do you, as a producer working with a band, say, God, I love what you're doing there. That's really cool. And that'd be a good jam on the side to noodle. Can we uh, cut that now?
0: Oh, boy. Um, it's hard. It's 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 hard and it's easy. and And I'll, and I'll explain to you. And I'll explain with kind of kind of going into the explanation of what, how I see ego, you know, I think ego, a lot of times gets gets a bad rap. And I mean, (laughs) if we go with the quintessential definition of ego, sure. Having ego is just not good, but I think we need to see where ego really lies. You have some artists who have an ego. They'll walk through the door. And I swear you could tell them the sky's blue and they'll say, no, it's, it's red. And it's ego and arrogance, ego, arrogance. You know, they're just, they're just so, they're so self-involved and, and they think what they say and do is just the correct way. And Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need you. I just need you to push some buttons and paste things together. It's like, no, that's not true. Your mindset's completely wrong because that type of ego, where you start looking at yourself as the be all, end all, and I'm the pinnacle of what I do, that's wrong because, especially in the world of art, mm-hmm. it's, you know, art is just. it's passion it's your emotions it's your if you're a sculptor you're going to put your emotions in that sculpture which is going to tell the story and it's going to portray your own emotions and your story and your art sure and i think with ego a lot of times when you're passionate Mm -hmm. that's fine that's your passion talking and i do agree with what you're saying you got to kill that ego sometimes when you're when you're in a team You got to kill that ego because you have to almost change ego into passion. And when you're passionate about something, you should absolutely tell whoever you're working with, listen, this is what I see. This is how I see it. But a lot of times with musicians, they they don't really construct their wording appropriately. And I've Mm. seen a lot of vocalists just storm out of the room. Mm leave why because they felt that i'm not being heard my my opinion doesn't count so now all of a sudden as a producer now you're also becoming a therapist in some way because (laughs) it's like shit i don't think what i said really resonated the correct way or just you know it i I didn't say it the right way because it didn't sit well with someone Mm -hmm. so now their ego is hurt because they're so passionate about what they're wanting to do, and what they want to say. So I've always said this to a lot of producers who have emailed me about, hey, what, you know, how do we work with other people? How do we work with other artists? And the and the main thing is, it's understand that they, you know, when they walk into the studio, they're coming in with a preconceived notion of You know, this is this is my baby. This is my song. And I'm going to hold this tight because all my emotions, my sadness or my happiness or whatever I was going through creating it, it's it's here. And for me to give it to you on a silver platter and say, go ahead, do what you want to do. You have to respect that as a producer. You have to respect that you have to sit there. You have to you. You basically have to treat it like your own baby. You have to mm. coddle it. You have to make sure you know how you deal with it. But if you see something wrong, you have to make sure to tell the artist what is wrong with it. Because you just don't want to say, well, this it sounds like shit. Mm. Can, you don't want to do, do that. You,
1: do you maybe um, discuss it with the artist? And, do, uh, and I don't want to say manipulate it, but kind of just ask questions about it. And maybe the artist comes up with their yep. own Maybe they already know that there's something wrong with it and they just haven't verbalized it and you can kind of dig it out. I'm curious.
0: No, 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 pretty much. You know, the the main thing I would always ask is, you know, um, what is the, um, why, what did you feel right here at, at this very bar, at this very measure right here, this note and how it's going on to this? What did you feel? What does it mean? And if they say, well, you know, it just sounded good. If there's hmm. no emotion tied to it, say, okay, well, how about we try this? I, I'm just curious to see how it's going to sound. Okay. Sure. What do you want me to try? Da-da-da. Oh, yeah. Hey, it sounds good. Or they may come back and be like, I don't know. It doesn't really sound right. And it's like, okay, well, you know, if it doesn't sound right and there's no emotional connection to what you did do, mm-hmm. how about we just – Hold off on it. If you're not completely against the idea, let's, let's hold off on it and let's continue on with the song. But if they come back and say, you know what, I want to tie these two notes together because there's a profound you know, meaning to it. And, and what I want to do with my vocals is I want this harmony to come in on, on this bar and this verse. And I want to talk about so on and so forth. They're portraying their emotions involved with that song. I have to basically go in. And either respect it enough to say, you know what, it may not sound good to me, but you are, I mean, you are so in love with the idea. Go ahead and keep it. Or you got to tell them, look, I think if you want to portray that emotion, I think it's going to come out even more. It's going to resonate more with the listener if you do X, Y, Z, because after you do X, Y, Z, look at what you have to offer you can go off in so many different avenues and so many different directions of what you're you're going to change one note or two notes here it's going to take you off in a whole different direction and now that same emotion that you want to portray the world's your oyster let's let's go ahead and dig in deeper and i think a lot of producers don't do that a lot of producers will go in with the mindset of i'm a producer Rick Rubin's a producer. I'm just going to tell him what's on my mind. And that's Mm. where you start getting, I'm going to talk at you and I'm the producer. You do, as I say, versus let's just work together. I'm just an extra set of ears in the studio that you've hired just to say, Hey man, you know, let's, let's see where, what else we could do with it. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's the importance to know of what a producer is to do and and that's where yeah going back to what you were saying is the whole ego and how you deal with ego that's you know you got to kind of as a producer whatever ego or passion you have sometimes has to take a back seat even mm-hmm. though I'm probably more passionate than a lot of people that I've worked with but you still got to kind of keep it behind because you don't want to come off too forceful or too possessive over something that they've created you know
1: right who are, who are some of the people i know you've worked with a lot of people out there who are some of the uh standouts
0: there? you know some some people like amber rose damon lord um chamber um the chamber road which was damon lord's band later uh matt bachman greg cash uh my own my own dad that i've worked with a lot and if you want to talk about mm-hmm. fighting and arguing <laughs> I can sit here and and go off on, on that because it's just how it is. Um, and more recently, I want to say is just Displaced Music, which is my own music library that I own with one of my best friends, Mike Menzer, mm-hmm. and we create for film, TV, video games, and you know we just create all these collection of music and and that's been a whole different process itself because now you're working with another individual who's on the same team as you mm-hmm. and he's not coming in with his own ideas of you know, here's what I have, produce it. It's it's okay, we gotta work together and we do have different mindsets, but very similar. So that's a whole different dynamic as well.
1: I would think that's even more so because it's you are generating material that is original, however It is not you. It is in service to the project. So if you're putting something together for this video game, maybe you're not into this particular style. But um, doing a Disney track on a a battlefield where people are hacking each other (laughs) is probably not appropriate. So you kind of have to, I would guess, be in service to the project itself. Yeah. Inappropriate.
0: Exactly. You know, one of, one of the, um, I did a song with, uh, I, I did a song with another producer. His name is Chris, Christopher Getman. Mm-hmm. He goes by the name of Maze dude. And he's, he's a phenomenal, phenomenal producer. And we did a song for Sony's, uh, fallout three. Mm-hmm. And he, it, <laughs> It It's interesting because we wanted to bring my background and his background into one, and mm-hmm. it was called The Fallout of Eli, mm-hmm. the book of Eli, the Denzel Washington movie. We wanted to have something very similar and sounding like that, and then mm-hmm. – bring my industrial, my electronic vibe to it and my drumming to it. So when you put it together, it was something really unique. And it's funny because in all the chat rooms for the fallout, you heard people say, oh man, when I went to this level, when I, you know, when I started shooting here, I wish this song was the one playing. And it's it's just funny how music, like you said, you know, there's certain songs mm-hmm. that can just play to that moment and to that entire you know atmosphere that you're in at that point basically you know especially in a video game you're going around shooting people i mean
1: watch a movie without music
0: yeah Yeah, exactly watch star
1: wars without the soundtrack
0: uh forget it forget it so
1: that's that has to be like a whole nother level of challenge and humility in in doing that and that that's i kind of find really cool um i think trent Reznor is one of your heroes right
0: absolutely yeah, and He's
1: sort of doing that himself, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he is. He is, and if he's listening to this podcast, I really hope you go back to a lot of the things that your fans knew and loved before. But, you know, I, I, I joke with that. I, I joke with that because I think there's a real sense of maturity in his music now mm-hmm. more so than when he was in his 20s producing. Mm-hmm. But he is doing that, and I think you hear it a lot in in, this, in some of the soundtracks he's creating. I mean, mm-hmm. listen back to when he first started doing a lot of stuff with uh, video games, like when he produced Doom. Mm-hmm. When he produced the soundtrack to Doom, I mean, it was as rock, it was as industrial as you could get. I mean, it fit. If you play that video game now, I swear half the half the enjoyment is just playing the video game and, and listening to the soundtrack as you're playing. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you listen to a lot of the movies he's creating right now. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's day and night in terms of his production. And he's, he's taken his, his, pro, his producing has matured a lot because it's just not, it's just, it's just different. It doesn't sound the same anymore.
1: I think he's maybe um, working in service of the project versus the yeah. sound.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: So that. That's an age and maturity and just ability yeah. thing. And and maybe that serves a greater challenge for him. And that that's why I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. about that, because I feel like you face, obviously, different challenges and different things and sometimes exploring different challenges. Like, OK, I have to do this within this tight little framework that can actually yeah. be a very exciting challenge in of itself yeah. to how do I have a voice when I only am giving these four tools?
0: It's true. It's true. It's true. You know, sometimes sometimes I think it's as a as a musician, as a producer, as an artist. And when I say artist, it's someone who really wants to showcase their emotions through this piece of art, whether it's sculpting, mm-hmm. whether it's writing, <clears throat> whether it's creating music or singing. So or for podcasting. Me or podcast. <laughs> or podcasting. Yes sir. You know, but you're an artist, right? You, you are essentially an artist because you have these emotions that equate to your art and your art is emotion. So it goes hand in hand. And sometimes it's hard because I'm sure I can throw the question right back at you and say, I'm sure it's a little hard when you're, you know, podcasting and you have all these emotions you want to portray, but sometimes you just can't because you're all limited, time. you know, exactly. So
1: it's not about me. It's about you.
0: Yeah, right. See, you're great for the artist ego, man. That's true. I know. I know. I know. I'm just good, kidding.
1: Good. Good. I'm gonna butter you up and then yes. manipulate you. And
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> see, I knew we'd get along. This is exactly what I love, man. I keep telling me stuff I like to hear. No, I'm kidding. There you it's go. it's um, but it is true. You know, you are limited. And again, as a as a musician, I think before before. You were so limited that I think it was almost a good thing, and, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll tell you why. And I'll use a good example of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. You have the Beatles who really, you know, came to America, made music, and they were taken in with wide open arms. And you know, I mean, the Beatles are who the Beatles are for a reason. Wonderful melodies, wonderful everything, and you listen back to the music now, and you're like, "Wow, they did so!" and and just just so I could preface this, they are not the only band and the only musicians and the first musicians who ever did this. This is just really? an example. Yeah, yeah, of, of course, yeah, are. yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there was no music before the <laughs> <laughs> you know i've listened uh,
1: they didn't listen to american blues performers at all no there was no, no, such thing. no there was no all. such
0: thing there was no such thing uh-uh <laughs> so they started music okay um uh, you know it's funny because we could go off on a whole tangent on, on this on that very subject man um <laughs> but you know they had the influences they listened but sure the beatles just kind of the way they were marketed and their their They're the Beatles. You talk about, you know, John Paul, George and Ringo, and everyone knows who they are. Mm -hmm. So they created some beautiful music, Mm -hmm. but what they created with was so limiting. They had to rely on the power of their harmonies. They had to rely Mm -hmm. on the power of, you know, just the guitars, the drums, a bass and a second guitar and vocals. I mean, that's it. That's it. And when they started doing their, you know, of, of our guard thing, it, it was kind of like, huh, what's that? That they're using noises and sounds that no one's ever particularly novel, heard of. very new. Yeah, exactly. And so that kind of surprised people. But you know what? They did it. Pink Floyd did it. A lot Mm -hmm. of these bands did it, and all of a sudden, you started seeing an expansion of tools and ability to just express yourself. And hence, you get to Nine Inch Nails, and a lot of people say, oh, that's just noise. But it's like, man, this guy, Trent Reznor, has like so many toys to play with. Mm -hmm. To me, I almost think it was easier in a sense yet harder when you were limited if i if you just gave me a drum Mm -hmm. set a guitar and a bass and a microphone and said go to work i think it would be difficult to just sit there and say okay man what can i do with these four instruments my voice Mm -hmm. the bass the guitar and the drums that i can create an eight album uh, eight track album i mean Mm -hmm. go ahead and go to work Nowadays, mm-hmm. you got you got, you know, you have right. Pro Tools at your dispense. You have endless amounts of soft synths, which are software synthesizers. You, oh, okay. Yeah. You have guitars, you have the bass, you have the drums, but now you mm-hmm. have all these different effects. You can, you know, it's almost very much harder to create now and emphasize your emotions i think because you have almost too many options and when you have too many Mm -hmm. options sometimes sometimes you start getting confused and i've heard this with a lot of musicians Mm -hmm. because oh man you know i i heard this this you know this sound and now i heard this sound and i don't know which one reflects my you know emotions more and which one's going to fit with the song and it's like you know what stop (laughs) go with your first choice you know and that's why hence you get so many remixes now you get 50 different remixes of one song that's a single and you get 50 different remixes and you're like okay now you're just losing sight of what actually is what is supposed to be sounding the right way that you just go back to the original song and say, eh, you know, I'm going to stick with this. This is the original.
1: You know, and it's that's... interesting. You um, mm-hmm. brought up an interesting point for a thought experiment. Maybe we should take every song and strip it to an acoustic guitar and see if it works.
0: I love it. And I'll tell you what, I will tell you this right now. If I say this to any musician listening, I say this to any producer listening, the best song your hit song, the song that anyone will remember, is the song that if you can play it on a piano or on a guitar, or you can hum it, and you start getting goosebumps and it sticks in your head, that's your song. Because you could take that song and do anything you want with it, but the stripped-down version is the one that sits right here in your heart. Hence why you had MTV's Unplugged and you had Pearl Jam playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, come Nirvana. on, Nirvana, Allison Chains, the Fugees, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you had so many artists that went on there that stripped down their music and said, you know what? Unplug everything. Let's go. Acoustic and guitars and acoustic. Yeah, absolutely a work, man. I mean, I, you can listen to Down in a Hole from Allison Chains mm-hmm. and you can listen to that song played acoustically and you could say, oh, my God. God, this is beautiful. And then you can go ahead and listen to it in the album and say, "Wow, sh- this is this is fantastic." Or you could do the same thing with Nirvana. You know, they played David Bowie's. Um, they play David Bowie's. Uh, oh my God, why is the name escaping me right I, now? Yeah, Man Who Sold the World. Man Who Sold That's the right. World. The Man Who Sold mm-hmm. the World, which is one of my favorite songs, and they played it acoustically. And then you go listen to it when David Bowie played it in the album. Mm-hmm. Yes, you hear two different versions. But man, I got to tell you, it's a hit song. Why? Because when you strip it down, it's a hit. When you add to it, it's a hit. You know, And you mm-hmm. go back and listen to classical music. Why do you think Moonlight Sonata is as beautiful as it is? Because you could play with the piano. You can, I mean, any which way you play it, it just sounds beautiful. And a lot of times the beauty of a song is to it's stripped down, you know, piece because Mm -hmm. you really don't add the glitz and glamor of effects and a lot of manipulating voices to it, which I got to tell you is another product of music with, you know, the, almost like the Britney Spears effect, you know, Mm -hmm. the hair metal. Yeah. The auto tunes, um, you know, let's dress you up really sexy. Let's put you on. You don't have to know how to sing because we're going to take care of that with auto tune, but you got a nice body. Uh, Your you product. have looks, you Your are product. the product, you are the mm-hmm. brand. So Britney Spears and no disrespect to Britney Spears, but I'm just using her as an example of mm-hmm. someone who can walk in and they could say, yeah, you're the one. Well, have you heard me sing? No, 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 you're you're the one. So here's some lyrics. Here's some music. Go ahead and stand this way. We're going to get the hair, makeup, Come on. Janice Joplin didn't have any of that. You know what I mean? Mm-mm. You go back. Yeah, weird. yeah it, it, that's but that's what it is. You know, the eye won the race, the ears lost at some point.
1: Well, that was M T V too.
0: Yeah. Oh, By the way, so it's
1: kinda kind of both ends of it because um there were some artists who came out I got I can't uh, was it Boz Skaggs, I think, is not Yeah. Like, a handsome yeah, yeah, fellow. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's some how was like just some warm, wonderful voices of it. Sure. you know they're like me they have a face for radio <laughs> so um
0: you're a good-looking guy man come on oh yeah yeah
1: yeah. now interestingly um i don't know and this is the old crotchety old man comment but do a lot of songs do you think modern stand up to where you can strip them down to acoustic?
0: <laughs> no And I can answer Yeah, I could say yes, because you could. But I'll tell you why. Because there's no melody to them anymore. There's Mm -hmm. no melody to them anymore. You take any song right now that's playing on the radio. And I'd say three quarters don't have any melody to them. You can can get the guitar. So if I was playing guitar, I'd get the guitar. And i start playing the chords. No one's going to know what the song is. No one's going to know what the song is because these same chords, they're just chords. And the chord structure is structured in such a way that the audience doesn't even relate back to the chords as you could have with maybe songs in the past. But Mm -hmm. essentially there's no melody to them. So whether it's the pattern of the chords or there's no melody, the audience can't really connect with it until the singer starts singing. And I can promise Mm you, you could take, that same guitarist, same vocalist, and you can run down 50 different pop songs on one set. And you could just do it because you can. There's no melody. There's no change. I mean, there's nothing big. You know what I mean? You you take mm-hmm. songs from Metallica, for example. You can't play them in one sitting. You have to, one song is one song. It's its own work of art. Then you you stop and then you go to the next song. But with a lot of modern pop songs, you can't necessarily do that, in my opinion. You just – you can't do that. You can't really strip them down too much.
1: I've heard it said, and you could correct me if I'm wrong because you're obviously deeper into it, that modern pop music is coming from a handful of Swedes.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. A lot of what you hear today, you know, dubstep was one of the big – big introductions to you know pop music uh five six years ago everyone was wanting to do dubstep and all these glitch effects well guess what dubstep has been playing in europe for i mean years years so anything you're hearing today a lot of pop music it is heavily influenced heavily influenced by that European market. I mean, if you want to listen to good pop music, go listen Go listen to the top 20, top 100 pop songs of, of in Europe, man.
1: Okay. Well, and they all came out of ABBA, from what I understand. Yeah. Or they were kind of related to ABBA, which is a, a weird um, hookback.
0: Yeah, weird connection, but yeah, it's true.
1: What do you um, think about some um, really, really, really original stuff? And I don't know if you're familiar with them, but like Pogo, who... No, does not, things on YouTube.
0: I'm not too familiar. I can't say that I'm familiar with them, but I could say this though. It's a guy. But it, it,
1: it I, I'll tell you what it is real quick, and then you can uh, check it out because yeah. I don't want to dwell on it. You're not familiar. He um takes like snippets of Disney movies uh-huh. and pulls um dialogue and everything else and turns it into music. So like if uh oh. somebody you know flicks the lighter open, then boom, he's gonna put that into the rhythm track. So he, he composes and then he'll have the visual effects Wow. from the movie put together in a video it's pretty fascinating stuff
0: wow i'll have to check them out
1: but I, I i do think like there's some original stuff but i'm i fear that we've we're going too far into the comfortable kind of like classic rock is a 200 tracks or so they keep getting repeated yeah um I, I have trouble telling one artist from another true in pop
0: true true
1: and if what you're saying, it's all the same basic pattern or structure, then ugh.
0: it, you know what it is, it's, um, man, I've, I've had this conversation even on, on my show with a lot of artists with a, almost every artist, we always end up talking about social media and the powers of social medias and the effects social media has really had on the, the influence, I would say of, um, Influence, the influence of influence. I mean, it's weird, but it, 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 it mm. really is. I mean, you now are known as an influencer. Right. You you are known as an influencer. And that's, at one time, it was known as brand. I want mm. to know what your brand is. But guess what? If I go to your, I can go to your fa- Facebook. I can go to your Instagram. And if you don't have this many likes, and if you don't have this many people following you, then I look mm-hmm. at it and say, eh, you're not an influencer. Right. What are you talking about, influence? I mean, what, let's just go back to brand. Let's go back to looking at an artist and saying, hey, I really like your music. Done. Mm-hmm. I like your music. If I have to go to your page and say, wow, you have 100,000 listeners or followers, then you're good. But if you have like 4 million, then you are absolutely amazing. because i can tell you you can and and i in and i you know i love hip-hop i love hip-hop music so if you go in and you look at hip-hop artists today if you go on some guy named little pump the guy has about four or five million followers but if you listen to the mute i mean it is funny it's it's very comedic to me oh it's clever yeah, it, it it it's it's just I I to me it's just goofy because I can't, oh okay to me it's goofy why because I can't say that little pump is a hip hop artist and then put him in Tupac or Biggie or Nas or Jay Z in the same sentence I, you just can't because if I say hmm. Tupac is a legend and if I say he's a hip hop artist I look at someone like Little Pump. I'm telling you, if you haven't heard him, you just got to listen to, you know, a song named Drug Addicts. And if you listen to that, it's the funniest thing you'll ever see. And they consider that hip hop. And the guy has this many followings. Now, more power to him because I want to see all artists who are very passionate go and and do something. But to me, it's hard for me to say, I'm going to take this one. I'm going to take this person, and I'm going to piece them together in the same sentence and say they are both hip-hop artists. I can't do that. And
1: is that that's... like Linkin Park and Led Zeppelin, right? Or...
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? I am a <laughs> Linkin Park fan too, though, man. <laughs> well, that's cool.
1: Or or is it Nickelback? Who's the one that gets beat Nickelback. up all the time?
0: Nickelback gets beat up on every single time. Now. Yeah. Creed, Nickelback, I like Creed these guys. I like Creed too, man. Sacrifice is one of my favorite songs of all time, you know? But they get they get dumped on a lot. But I'll tell you what, if you listen, they know how to sing, they know how to play mm-hmm. their instruments. There is real song writing, real production. I mean, there's something very real that you right. can say Nickelback and Creed led Zeppelin. And of course, they're they're different bands, but mm-hmm. there's Something that you could say, wow, no one uses auto tune. <laughs> no one's yeah. talking. There's real production involved. And when you see that, you're like, hey, you know what? I don't care. If let's say I let's just say, for example, if I don't like Creed, I'll still listen mm. to them and say, Hey, you know what? I, I don't connect with the music, but they're an artist. I appreciate what they do and give back. But then when you listen to some of the pop stuff, you notice that it is their power of influence through social media, whether it's I'm going to take a stack of, you know, $100 bills and say, Hey, this is what I have. And here's my gold chains. And here's this people are, are, it's like a Kardashian effect. You know, it's like the girls who Mm -hmm. wanted to be like the Kardashians because, Oh, they look this way. They're going out here. They're taking selfies. So I'm going to start doing the same thing. And now you have this, resurgence on online of every girl saying she's a fitness model. She's, you know, this type of artist. And it's like, stop, just, just stop. I mean, is there something you're lacking that is pushing you towards becoming, having to become a certain way? Like I think social media is really to blame for a lot of what you see right now, whether it's music or quote unquote influencers because a lot of people are just losing sight. A lot of people are losing sight, you know, of uh, what
1: confession time.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Are you?
1: Uh-huh. No, are you part of the machine? You're a producer. Are you having? Now I'm not going to ask you to name them, but are you having to uh, be part of this uh, machine and packaging artists?
0: Here, no, no, because I I work independently, right? So I'm not necessarily. And it's check. Yeah, yeah, well, no, no, no. I mean it I can sit here and I could tell you I'm 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 in a position that I can I could sit there and be very picky. I could be very picky. Now I could take two two ways. If the same person I'm talking about, like a little pump, comes to me and says, Hey man, I'll pay you this much money and go ahead and produce me. Well, I got two options. If I'm doing it for the money, then I can sit here and say, Okay, sure, why not? Right. It's great for my brand. It's great for everything. But one, I don't really produce hip hop artists. So one, Mm. I'd have to pass them on to other colleagues of mine who do produce hip hop and say, Hey, here you go. Best of luck. Or I could sit there and say, no, man, I really see something in you and I want to work with you. And I've always said, if I work with someone, it's because I respect them enough and I want to work with them. So Mm. realistically, it's, it's people I want to work with. So am I part of the machine? I may be part of the machine only because I'm in the machine system and the machine is just, you know, just running. You know, whether it's it's artists I do like or don't like, we're all part of the same machine and we're just kind of pushing away. But for me, I don't think I would ever produce anyone that I can't stand behind and say, hey, you know what, this is I really am a big fan of your music and I see what we can do together. Because if I want to infuse my thoughts and my creativity into what you have, it needs to come out being more great than the paycheck I'm going to get. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Because if, if the, if the paycheck's going to be more than my emotions being dumped in, then it's, I'm just doing it for the money. And at some and point, you have a reputation. It's going to exactly.
1: Cool. Now, um, what do we have coming up next?
0: Man, I, you know what? I don't know. Right now, I have taken a, a little bit of a turn because I have, ever since I started podcasting, and I want to say, you know, I started my podcast, The Mixing Board, back in 2016. Something I've wanted to do, no joke, I've wanted to do the whole podcasting since I moved to Southern California in like in 06. When podcasting yeah. was just coming out, I mean, you know, you had very few and far between. Sure. I wanted to. I just never did. So when I finally did it, I had to – it's it's hard to balance out. You know, you have life. You have podcast, You have music producing. You have creating, working with this person, that person. So I basically just stuck to podcasting and displaced music, which, again, displaced music being the music library with my best friend Mike and I. Mm-hmm. So – I really just stuck to those two things and in a sense I have I don't want to say I've neglected more of the production of other artists but it's definitely taken a backseat so right now I could tell you my podcast we're nearing episode 50. I think we're on episode 48, you know, cool. and um, just getting some more guests for that. And it's always hard because I do interview artists, and musicians. So mm-hmm. getting the timing is very difficult, but I love the podcasting as, as I know you do. And I'm a big fan of your podcast. So big props to you, my friend. And, um, just displaced music, you know, just working and trying to, you know, get more involved in the creation of film music and TV music and, and producing more for video games. So that's what's on my plate right now.
1: Well, very cool. And I might, um, if you're up for it, want to lay down a track on the end of this so people can hear a sample. I'm down. Awesome. Now people can find you at, um, yes, sir, and displacedmusic.com hmm um, I know that you're on LinkedIn as Bryner Agassi. You probably just search you out. Yeah, and where else are you on Twitter or Facebook? Twitter, or
0: yeah. You know, if if you if if the best way to get a hold of me is through BrynerAgassi.com, you can link up with me on my Twitter, which on my Twitter handle is Bryner Agassi. You can also find me on Instagram on official Bryner Agassi, and uh, yeah, LinkedIn. I'm on there too, but Briner Agassi is basically your connection to everything I do. And, uh, yeah, man, I'd be happy to send you a track if you want to play it. And, um, yes, sir.
1: Well, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming
0: on. Oh, it's a pleasure, man. <laughs>
1: tonight's adventure into the unknown.
0: Shut up, and sit down.
1: Hey, it's Sarge. And Frenzy.
0: From the Sarge Approved Podcast. Uh, If you're not familiar, the Sarge Approved Podcast has a guest every episode featuring uh, people like Actors Comedians Uh, Survival experts Authors Martial arts experts
1: Basically a whole gamut of badass people
0: Yes And you can check out all our episodes on all the podcast platforms iTunes Spreaker Uh, Stitcher Google Play Music iHeartRadio And you can check us out on all our social media Facebook Instagram Twitter All the things It's all at SARS Approved Yep Check it out and we hope you enjoy it Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West podcast network.